0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Searcy Sports Show. I'm your host Nelson Circe, and whatever platform you are listening on today and wherever you may be listening, I hope you are having a fantastic day. And there was a lot to talk about today. We had a weekend full of NFL playoff football, some entertaining college bowl games, some NBA chatter, and many other stories to discuss on today's show. So first, let's get into today's Searcy storylines. Three current stories across the world of sports that are catching my eye. And the first story of the day comes from college football. And although Joe Burrow is really good and is most likely going to be the number one overall pick of the 2020 NFL Draft, this past week's Rose Bowl game on New Year's Day showed me that Justin Herbert is not far behind him. So Justin Herbert is the quarterback of the University of Oregon, and his Oregon Ducks just beat the University of Wisconsin this past week in the Rose Bowl by a score of 28-27. to 27. And before this season, I had only seen about a game or two of Justin Herbert before, and in those games I saw a tall, framed pocket passer who was not incredible. Um, He was pretty good, and I had heard some good draft prospects about him, but other than that, I did not know much about him. But throughout this season, I've watched a few more games of his and followed his numbers a bit. And this season, he had a 67% completion rate, he threw for 3,500 yards, and 32 touchdowns to six interceptions. And although that is a really impressive stat line passing the ball from Justin Herbert, The one thing that I wanted to see from him going forward was a bit of mobility. I had seen him move around in the pocket and make some throws before, but not too much on the run, not much running ability, and I don't really expect too much from someone with a big frame like his. Uh, He's about 6'6", 240 pounds, but in this past week's Rose Bowl game, I watched him run for not one, not two, but three rushing touchdowns, And two of them were about five yards, but the third one was one of the most pivotal, if not the most pivotal play of the game, and it was a 30-yard rushing touchdown. And the things that I saw from him in that game were really incredible. Um, His ability to move in the pocket and make throws, his ability to run around and escape or make design throws on the run that were accurate, and also his ability to run the ball in general when he needs to run, Um, All of that was really impressive, and although his throwing stats from this Rose Bowl game were not off-the-wall crazy, his performance in the Rose Bowl was very well-rounded, and I think that that game bodes well for his draft prospects going forward. I think that showcasing his ability to make plays on the run, whether it's in the air or with his feet, um, while also showing off his ability to be a pocket passer that he's already shown many times before— Um, leads me to think that he is most likely the second-best quarterback going into this year's NFL draft. So the second storyline of the day comes from the NBA, and it is involving the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. Earlier in the week, I was watching the Philadelphia 76ers play the Indiana Pacers, and Joel Embiid was out for that game. And the Indiana Pacers took full advantage of the 76ers not having their best player and absolutely blew them out. Uh, The game was never close, and it just looked like the 76ers were really mismatched. So when you think about a player like Joel Embiid, who has had previous injury history, has needed load management to get through long stretches of games or an entire season, and you... Combine that with the fact that, and this makes sense because he's a very good player, that the 76ers currently on offense and defense do a lot of things through Joel Embiid. And for a Sixers fan, that should be pretty concerning that you are combining a previously injury-riddled player with the centerpiece of your team. And not only would the 76ers in a Joel Embiid absence miss his high quality play they would also miss the energy that he brings to games Um, he comes into every game and it seems like he's ready to kind of trash talk someone be in someone's ear Um, and he's ready to go he's somebody who loves the game of basketball and you can see it in his face and his actions every single night and for the 76ers to ever miss out on that in a game is is a big deal and then you also think about their prospects of big men in the East that they have to go against uh, guys like Bam Adebayo, of Sabonis, and Miles Turner, Giannis Antetokounmpo. All these big men matchups are a problem. If, especially if they don't have Joel Embiid, but they're already a problem even with Joel Embiid, because all of those guys are incredible players. And you also have depth questions. Um, the 76ers don't really have a very dominant bench rotation. And so I wouldn't say that I am right now concerned about the 76ers, but this is more just a warning that if Joel Embiid has to miss a significant amount of time or most of a playoff series, I think that the odds that the 76ers continue to play at the level that they are currently playing is very slim. So now we will move to the third and final story from today's Circe Storylines, And it is from College Basketball. And I was going to try and pick a team who my quote-unquote eye test says is the best team in the nation right now. But I can't seem to pick one, which is a really good thing. So when I run through the current top 10 of the national polls, I look at teams like Gonzaga and Duke and Kansas and Ohio State and Louisville and Auburn. And when I look at each of those teams, I've seen each of those teams have a game where I was really impressed with their play, but also each of those teams have had a game where I said, wow, these teams definitely have a weakness and they have things to work on. And I know that it's still kind of early in the season. Um, Conference play just started for a lot of teams Um, And teams may still be trying to find their identity, but at this point in the season, I feel like we should have a grasp of who the best team in the nation is, that there's one kind of dominant team, and we don't have that right now, which bodes very well for March Madness, and I also think that it's a great reflection of the talent that we currently have in the sport college basketball has many many good players across all conferences and whenever they get together during March Madness it's an incredible show and I just think that the current state of college basketball is in a really good place that there are tons of good players there are tons of good teams but nobody is really dominant and stands above the rest and I think that that is just going to be so much fun to watch the rest of this season as we will probably have more mayhem in the polls, and tons of mayhem during March Madness. So I wanna take the next few moments just to give you a simple reminder, and that is to please take care of yourself and to talk to someone if you are struggling with something. Whether it be your physical health, your mental health, or just something that you have on your mind, please reach out to those around you and take the next steps that you need to take in order to improve your current situation. I know that I am always here to listen, and there are many other people in your life who are there to listen as well and care about you so much. And taking care of yourself is important, and I just wanted to take a moment to remind you all to do just that. So, now let's shift gears to this. The NFL coaching carousel is live and rolling. There are so many teams that either have a coach that is on the hot seat has already fired their coach, or in some cases found new replacements as we begin to look towards next season. And what I'm going to do is go one by one through each of these coaching firings, hirings, and retainments and give a personal grade on the decision and a few other comments on each decision. The first coaching decision that I wanted to discuss was the Jacksonville Jaguars retaining head coach Doug Marone and i'm going to give this decision a d just because i don't really understand what the point of doing this long term is i think that the jacksonville jaguars are currently in a sort of a mini rebuild Um, they have a few pieces on offense and defense but the majority of the team is kind of coming in and out Um, doug marone has taken them to an afc championship game before a couple seasons ago but I just don't really see what he can do for the team right now um, with the pieces that they have to really make a run for anything. And I don't really see him staying around for a long period of time. The second coaching decision that I wanted to discuss is the New York Giants deciding to fire their head coach, Pat Shermer. And I'm going to give this decision a B+. Plus. Um, I like this decision. I think that Pat Shermer is one of those guys that is a pretty good coordinator, but not necessarily a great head coach. Um, We see this a lot every year as coaches come in and out, and a lot of coordinators are moved up into the head coaching position. They don't have a great year, and then they move back to a coordinator position, and they do very well. Um, Pat Shermer developed a lot of good relationships while he was in New York with his players, But the success in terms of wins and losses wasn't quite there, and I think that the Giants are pretty close to taking a step towards contention. And I think that a culture change at this point in time is going to be a good thing for the New York Giants going forward. The next coaching decision that I wanted to discuss is the Washington Redskins deciding to hire Ron Rivera as their next head coach. And I give this decision an A. Um, I love this decision by the Redskins. Um, Ron Rivera is a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, I'm not really sure why Carolina let him go, to be honest. Um, But Ron Rivera is a great defensive mind. Um, He definitely knows what he's doing. Um, The Redskins kind of need someone who knows what they're doing um, to kind of get that organization back on track. There's a lot of questions about ownership and fans and a lot of stuff surrounding that organization. But I think going forward with kind of the young core that they have, Um, Ron Rivera will be a great guy to kind of get them back on track to where they need to go. The next coaching decision to discuss is the Cleveland Browns firing their head coach, Freddie Kitchens. And I give this decision an A. I think it was pretty clear to a lot of us that Freddie Kitchens was a bit in over his head this year. Um, The culture of the team was a bit all over the place. Um, The play calling and play designs were a bit sloppy and messy And overall, um, I think that Freddie meant well, but it just didn't really seem to work out for him. And I think it was the right decision for Cleveland to move on so swiftly. Um, I think that their next coach should be someone who is disciplined, who is hard-nosed, is going to go in there and immediately shift the culture and make guys get stuff done. And I think that Cleveland is not far from being able to get stuff done and get back to a winning team. The next coaching change to discuss is the Carolina Panthers firing their head coach, Ron Rivera, and I give this decision an F. I don't really see what else the Carolina Panthers could get. Um, I understand that they're kind of moving towards a whole remodel, rebuild Um, But I think that Ron Rivera is somebody who can endure a rebuild. Um, He's a very proven head coach. He's been proven loyal to Carolina. He has a great defensive mind, and I think he has an overall good mind for the game. Um, I think that as you go through a rebuilding stage, it's good for someone to be able to lead with a foundation, and I think that Ron Rivera could have done that for them. And I'm just not really sure why they would make this decision in the midst of their current rebuild. The next coaching decision to discuss is the Atlanta Falcons deciding to retain head coach Dan Quinn, and I give this grade a B. Um, I think that Dan Quinn has a solid foundation. Um, he's also been proven very loyal to Atlanta. Um, the players seem to like him. I think that the players in the last like six weeks of the season played really hard for him. Um, you could see that. Um, they were out of the playoffs for the last month or so of the season. But the players played really hard, and they seemed to have a lot of fun, and Dan Quinn was having fun coaching them. And I think that once they kind of let go and realize that Dan is a leader that they want around, I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I do think that Dan Quinn in the short term is a good decision to retain as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. The next coaching decision to discuss is the Detroit Lions deciding to retain head coach Matt Patricia, and I give this grade a C. Um, I think that Matt Patricia has brought a few good things to Detroit, um, but I think that there's a lot of inconsistency in not only their team, but his coaching. Um, I think that his defensive mind is pretty good, but we see that reflect sometimes really well, and sometimes it doesn't work out in other games, and I just think that the flow of the team, the flow of his coaching is just a bit inconsistent, and going forward, um, a team that kind of needs to find their footing needs some consistency, so... I'm not saying that it won't work going forward, but I don't think that they should give Matt Patricia more than one or two more seasons if there's not a huge step forward upcoming. The next coaching decision to discuss is the New York Jets deciding to retain head coach Adam Gase, and I give this decision an A um, I think that Adam Gase has a very good offensive mind, and for somebody like Sam Darnold, a young quarterback who has a, a really good foundation, um, good fundamentals. I think that Adam Gase's offensive mind will be very helpful for him. And if they still have guys like Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson going forward, they can really build a good offensive core there. Um, I think that Adam Gase has a lot of potential. And I think that the New York Jets made a good decision here to keep him. Um, I think that when Sam Darnold was on the field, they had close to a 500 record, if not better. Um, so I think that uh, the New York Jets have do have a solid foundation. I think that their potential of possibly a wildcard team in the next year or two could be reached with Adam Gase at the helm. And the final coaching decision that I want to discuss is one that is probably the biggest of them all in terms of media coverage is the Dallas Cowboys deciding to finally get rid of Jason Garrett after nine years as head coach in Dallas. And I give this grade an A, not because I think that Jason Garrett is a bad coach by any means. I think he's not bad. But that is the problem that the Cowboys have faced the past nine years or longer is mediocrity. Um, Jason Garrett has been not bad, but they need somebody who can kind of take them to the next level. And although they don't really know who that is yet, um, whoever that the Dallas Cowboys decide to bring in needs to be someone who can maximize their level of talent on both sides of the ball while still continuing to build the brand that is the Dallas Cowboys because at the end of the day it is a business and someone like Jerry Jones is going to want someone who is good with the media, is a good face. Um, And so the Dallas Cowboys' next head coach will have his hands full, um, but he will be inheriting a lot of talent, a lot of money, and I do think that moving on from Jason Garrett was the right decision in terms of elevating the Dallas Cowboys to the next level. And now I want to shift gears to my final point of the day, and that is the NFL wildcard games that we just saw this weekend. Um, I want to discuss kind of what happened in each of these wildcard games and give you one bright spot and one disappointment that I saw from each game. The first game of wildcard weekend was the Houston Texans defeating the Buffalo Bills by a score of 22-19 to in overtime. And the one bright spot that I saw from That game was Deshaun Watson's performance despite the Houston offensive line the Houston Texans went out and got Laramie Tunsil at the beginning of the season in a trade with the Miami Dolphins and they are trying to make the offensive line a point of emphasis going forward to protect Deshaun Watson but the offensive line has not done a great job this year and we saw them get beat up again against Buffalo on Saturday Deshaun Watson had a lot of plays where he was running for his life. He was getting hit. But despite that, Deshaun Watson put on a quite wonderful performance and that led up to, in overtime, he had a crazy play where he escaped a few defenders and made a nice pass that went for a long game that set up the game-winning field goal. Um, It's awesome to watch Deshaun Watson play football. He's had so many great escapes, so many great running throws, running plays this year. And this weekend's game was another example of his abilities with his feet to make plays. And the one disappointment that I had from this game was Josh Allen's decision-making. Josh Allen had a pretty good performance overall, but towards the end of the game, he had almost three plays in a row where it had me kind of just asking the TV, like, what are you doing Um, Josh Allen on a third and long took a bad sack and then on a fourth down took another bad sack that turned the ball over and it was like a loss of like 40 yards in two plays and it brought them out of field goal range and then in overtime he went for this long run and tried to lateral it while being in the middle of a tackle and it almost led to a turnover and Josh Allen does know how to make amazing plays with his arm, with his feet But he just had kind of a lapse of concentration in a sequence of plays late in that game. And it's unfortunate to see, but it's not super surprising as it was his first playoff performance Um, going forward. I hope that Josh Allen looks at those mistakes that he made and those kind of lapses of concentration that he had and learns from them and takes in kind of what he needed to do in those situations and improves going forward because I like Josh Allen as a player and I hope that he gets another chance like that to prove himself in a playoff game. The next game from Wild Card Weekend was the Tennessee Titans defeating the New England Patriots by a score of 20-13 to and the one bright spot that I saw from that game was the Tennessee Titans game plan. I thought that they utilized Derrick Henry really, really well throughout that game, and I knew that he would be a key going in. I think that Ryan Tannehill not throwing the ball a ton, but when he was throwing the ball that it was very simple and controlled was a good decision as well. Um, I thought that their defense played really well against Tom Brady. Um, I think that the Patriots' offensive scheme is pretty easy to figure out, and I think that the Titans just played to their strengths, and I, th- I just think that the overall game plan that the Titans implemented was really, really successful. And the one disappointment that I had from this game was the New England Patriots' game plan. Um, coming in, uh, that was my big worry, was that no matter what the Patriots did to game plan, that they would struggle Winning just because of their lack of explosiveness on both sides of the ball, and that really showed in this game. Um, I don't think that their game plan was awful because I think that they had an idea of how to try to stop Derrick Henry and to stop these kind of short to mid throws that Ryan Tannehill was going to make, and then on the other side of the ball – where they were facing a pretty stingy Titans defense, that they had a lot of good short passes and quick passes for Brady and some good run designs, but they just didn't execute how they should have, and I thought that Derrick Henry, as he continued to dominate the game... It didn't really seem like the Patriots' defensive scheme changed much and Derrick Henry continued to be a factor that the Patriots didn't really have an answer for and it's very odd to see a Bill Belichick-led team not have an answer for a player. And so the Patriots' game plan wasn't poor, it just wasn't good enough to win that game. The next game from Wild Card Weekend was the Minnesota Vikings defeating the New Orleans Saints by a score of 26-20 in overtime. And the one bright spot that I saw from that game was Kirk Cousins finally delivering in his clutch moment. Kirk Cousins has often been criticized by a lot of people, including myself, for really folding under pressure and letting the pressure get to his head and putting a lot of pressure on himself personally. And he rose up in the biggest stage and in the biggest moment today and delivered some amazing throws and made some amazing plays. And overall, I'm really happy for him. Um, He's a guy who has been waiting a long time for a moment like this, but it's not time to kind of dwell and sit on that moment because he has to play another playoff game next week. So we will see how Kirk does next week in his next big moment. And the one disappointment that I had from this game was that the New Orleans Saints' biggest offensive weapons, guys like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, were not huge factors in this game. Um, I was pretty surprised that someone like Michael Thomas who has had such a dominant season and a guy like Alvin Kamara who makes plays in the run game and the pass game on a consistent basis just really didn't have much of an impact on the game and shout out to Minnesota's defense for kind of holding those guys in check but I was just really surprised and a bit disappointed that I didn't get to see Guys, such big superstars like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara have a huge game on a big stage. And the final game from Wild Card Weekend was the Seattle Seahawks defeating the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 17-9. to And the one bright spot that I saw from this game was getting to watch Russell Wilson do his thing. Um, Russell Wilson had another wonderful game, another wonderful playoff performance. Um, His connections to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf were incredible, and um, it's just so much fun to be able to watch Russell Wilson play football. Um, He does so many amazing things with his legs, Um, he does amazing things with his arm, and it's just awesome to watch him be able to play football. And the one disappointment that I had from this game was not being able to watch Carson Wentz match up against Russell Wilson and play in his first playoff game ever. Carson Wentz has unfortunately missed the last two postseasons that the Eagles have been in due to a ACL and a back injury. And now he finally got his chance to lead his team through the whole season and then go to the postseason and play in a postseason game and hopefully lead his team in a playoff run. And in the first quarter, he got hit in the back of the head by Jadavian Clowney and his head hit the turf pretty hard. And that knocked him out of the rest of the game. And it just stinks to see a guy who's worked so hard and has waited for his big moment be taken out, especially by an injury like that, and and hopefully his head injury isn't too severe. But uh, but I was just disappointed that I didn't get to see Carson Wentz, a guy who is kind of an up-and-coming star in the NFL, be able to play in a playoff game and have his big moment um, against a formidable opponent as such as the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. And I think it would have been really cool to watch Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz go at it together as that's two of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. And uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see that. And hopefully in the future we get more games like that of Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz and just wonderful quarterback matchups in the playoffs. And I just hope that guys like that never have to deal with injury in those big moments. And with that, that concludes today's episode of the Searcy sports show. Thank you so much for tuning in today Um, Just a reminder that you can check out episodes and clips from the show on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud under the name The Searcy Sports Show. And you can find the show on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And until next time, this has been your host, Nelson Searcy, signing off.